There's a dangerous movement in evangelicalism known as the New Apostolic Reformation, and they literally claim that in, well, in the past few decades, God has restored apostles and prophets to the church. Chris Rosebro talking about his presentation at this summer's Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. In my presentation, I'll be making the case against modern-day apostles and prophets. As part of the presentation, we'll be talking about who's teaching this ecclesiology, the inherent dangers of it, but also what's at the root of it, and that is a false understanding of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can meet and hear Chris Rosebro making the case against modern-day prophets and apostles Friday, June 9th and Saturday, June 10th at the Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference in Collinsville, Illinois. For more information, visit issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385. The Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Of all the things that Christians include in their devotional life, there could be the reading of Scripture and the study of Scripture. There can be uh, the little rites and acts of piety that, that we borrow from the divine service. There is, of course, formal prayer, like the Lord's Prayer, the recitation of the Creed. But in other respects, prayer proves to be very difficult for Christians in their devotional life. Maybe if we ask them, what is the most difficult part of your devotional life? They might say, prayer, I can't keep my mind on things, or I don't know what to say, or I feel like my prayers are somehow inadequate or don't communicate what I want them to say. What's the problem there? We're going to begin a series on Christians and their devotional life. Today, God's gift of prayer. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller joins us. On this Tuesday afternoon, he's pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, and co-host of a weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio. He's author of a new resource, the Devotional Challenge Book. Brian, welcome back to Issues Etc. Thanks. Why is it that among all the elements that may be included in a Christian's devotional life, prayer is often the one that's, well, the most daunting or the one that Christians find most difficult or troublesome? I think there's a lot of reasons for that that we could look into, but the basic thing to remember is that the devil is fighting our prayers. I mean, this we probably see it most clearly in the Bible with uh, Daniel, who who prays and is fasting, and then he gets an answer answer from the angel twelve days later, and he says that I was dispatched from heaven and I was withstood by the prince of Persia. Now, who knows what in the world that means? But it it at least means that the devil is fighting against our prayers. So when we go to pray, it's not like you know, we're not just fighting against our laziness, against our sinful flesh, against our distractibility and all these sorts of things. We're we're fighting against the devil. And the devil knows it because our chief uh, warfare against the devil himself is our prayers. Uh, when when the when the uh, St. Paul tells us to to do spiritual battle, he says take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times. So we we wield the Lord's uh, word against the devil in prayer. So so prayer is always opposed uh, by the devil. It's helpful to remember that. It, it makes sense of why it's so difficult for us, why it seems kind of unnaturally difficult to pray, while why every Christian, whenever they go to confess their sins to their pastor, always is confessing their neglect of their prayers. It's because the devil is fighting against us, and when we pray, we're fighting back against him. So let's talk about the fact that just at the outset— there are prayers that the Christian can utilize 
that if he finds the composition or you know, how you put it together in your own head and how it comes out of your own mouth, particularly difficult at first, we have books of prayers, not to mention we have the Psalter, not to mention we have the Lord's Prayer. Talk about those resources that are already there for us and are perfectly good in and of themselves. Yeah, there's a weird thing in American Christianity that says that if it's not spontaneous, it's not spiritual. That is a lie. It's a weird lie, too. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, you just, the, the only way you the, the, you get away with thinking something like that is ha- actually having never thought about it. Because as soon as you, it, as soon as you do spend two seconds thinking about that idea, if it's not spontaneous, it's not spiritual, then you realize that it's a joke. I mean, the Bible is the Spirit's word, and it is written down. So the the evangelical tends to despise, for example, the liturgy, uh, written down prayers, uh, pre-assigned prayers and this sort of thing, because it seems like, oh, it's, you're just reading, you're not truly praying uh, from the heart. No, the the Holy Spirit teaches us how to pray. And, pray, and prayer is, is a thing that is taught. Jesus' disciples came to him and say explicitly, Lord, teach us how to pray. And Jesus, Jesus doesn't give... He he doesn't give like some sort of uh, a spiritual retreat where he says, here's the five tips of prayer or something like this. He says, oh, you want to know how to pray? Well, here, pray these words. And he gives them the words to say, the Lord's Prayer. And I think I would suggest to you, Luther says the same thing, that that every psalm, every Christian prayer, every prayer that's in the Scripture and, and that's godly in the mouth of the Christians is in one way or another contained in the Lord's Prayer. And in the seven petitions of the Lord's Prayer are every possibly good thing or godly thing that we could ask for. So the Lord's Prayer becomes the basis of the Christian's prayer. So when we don't know what to pray, we pray the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord delights in hearing that prayer. In fact, how could he not? He's the one that taught us how to say it. That dovetails beautifully with kind of a basic introduction to Christian devotion, because you note that... The, the Bible nowhere says, go read your Bible, but it does talk about, and it goes nicely with your thoughts on the Lord's Prayer and the Psalter, it does tell us to meditate, to consider all of those things God's Word. Talk about that. Yeah, there's a, there's a really helpful distinction that our Lutheran confessions make when it comes to our free will. And they say that our will is bound in when it comes to spiritual things, but it's free in things below us. And where that intersection of the free will and the bound will comes into play is in the hearing of the Lord's word. I cannot, by my own reason or strength, believe the Lord's word or uh, trust it or delight in it, but I can, by my own free will, listen to it, hear it. It isn't my freedom to open the Bible and read the words there. It is in my free will to go to church and listen to the sermon. Now, when the scriptures, what, what this means is when the scriptures speak to us, they're really giving us two things. Uh, one is a command and the other is a gift. The command is in the scripture that we hear the Lord's word, that we don't, that we go to church, that we, that we open the Bibles and that we read it. But then the gift is what comes later and it's what the Bible describes as as delighting in the scriptures, rejoicing in the scriptures. Uh, Psalm 1 is the perfect place for this, where the psalmist says, blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the way of sinners, sit in the seat of scoffers, walk in the way of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So that the scriptures are inviting us not only to hear the Lord's word, but to rejoice in the Lord's word, to meditate in the word, 
to let that word roll around in our minds and our mouths and our ears and our conscience where they bear spiritual fruit, which we can't bring about ourselves, which only the Lord's word is powerful and efficacious to do. So we have rolled into one then when we talk about the Lord's Prayer or these other resources for, for prayer in God's Word that are already there and given to us, as you say, as a gift, a place to begin Christian devotion, don't we? Yeah, that's right. And that's why I, I put this uh, devotional challenge book together for the Confirmands. I think it's going to be uh, useful beyond that. And it's basically kind of what is in our freedom to do? What what can our free will accomplish? My My free will cannot accomplish faith. I cannot make myself believe. But... I can open my Bible and read it, and I can open my mouth and pray. And, and so we can do things to, that, uh, that shape our devotional life, and in those actually doing of things, the Holy Spirit is present and bringing about his gifts. And so we want to we understand this rightly. We don't want to be uh, kind of drawn away by the false pieties that grow out of false theology. But we do want to recognize that there is a uniquely Lutheran piety. Let's define piety as a daily exercise in hearing the Lord's word and prayer. There is a distinctly Lutheran piety that grows out of our confession that the Bible is God's book, that the scriptures are inspired by the Holy Spirit, and that they bring about life. And so the hearing of the Bible and the speaking back to the Lord, the promises that he makes to us there in prayer— this becomes the basic outline for an evangelical devotional life. You say that one of the things that is probably most helpful, and you're talking there again about what, what is within the, the, our ability to do, you say is simply to schedule time to do this. Yeah, that's right. We, we have, um, I think it's Eugene Peterson, someone put me on to that guy a while back, um, for this this little thing, he says, for whatever reason, the holiest book that most people have, the the book that people consider most holy, is not the scriptures, but it is their is their planner, it's it's their date book, it's their calendar, so that uh, people look at their calendar and the things that are on the calendar, they treat like they were written there by God. Now that's wrong, but there we can take advantage of that. So we can put stuff on the calendar and we can schedule time to do stuff. Now if we say, hey, you know. It'd be good for me to spend some time every day hearing the Lord's Word and asking Him to help me. Well, if we think that that's true, then why not uh, manifest that uh, consciously by saying, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray uh, at this time every day, you know? Uh, and, and it's nice to kind of connect—Luther does this when he's teaching us this in the Catechism—to connect it to something else. So, you know, when you wake up. That's a time that you can anchor your prayers. When you sit down to eat with your family, there's another anchor for your prayers. Or when you're going to bed at night, that also becomes an anchor for your prayers and your hearing of the Lord's Word. And so to say, for example, every night when I go to bed, I'm going to hear a psalm, and I'm going to pray the Lord's Prayer uh, with my family. That's really good. And to, and to have that intentional, to make that intentional decision is a good and godly thing. We don't want to you know, destroy ourselves when we when we miss prayers in the night, of course. But to say, this is what I want to I want to do. I want to shape my day to begin and end with the Lord's word. Uh, that is a good and godly thing. And this is something we should note before we take a break that goes all the way back to Luther himself in something as simple as the small catechism. He just appended a, a kind of a simple little form 
of morning and evening prayer, didn't he? I, I think, and, and this, I don't know how to underline this to kind of draw out the importance of it, but I think this is fundamental to our understanding of the catechism. When we remember that Luther came out of the monastery where they had, where they had an order, they, in fact, they had seven hours of prayer where they would wake up in the middle of the night and pray. They had morning prayer, mid-morning, noon, and they, they had a very specific order of, of how things were to be, hearing of the Lord's Word and all this sort of stuff. And we know that Luther famously broke from the monastery. He famously speaks about how bad that is. But when he writes the, when he writes the small catechism, he is giving us an evangelical order. It has so many flavors of that monastic life brought into the family. And this, and this is the basic shape of the small catechism, that Luther assumes that every family, every Christian home, is itself a monastery, or better, is, its, is, is itself a chapel, where the Lord's Word is heard and prayers are offered. Pastor Brian Wolf Miller is our guest. We're beginning a series with him on Christians and their devotional life today, God's Gift of Prayer. We'll talk more about it on the other side of the break. He's pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, and co-host of a weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio. He's authored this new resource called the Devotional Challenge Book. Stay tuned. Are you tired of working nights, weekends, and odd hours trying to cover your bases at home just to make ends meet? At the Cleaning Authority, we call that the multi-job shuffle, and we want to end that for you right now. We'll train you in our proven, efficient cleaning methods, and you'll be partnered to work in pre-qualified homes. Call 314-416-8117 and walk away from the multi-job shuffle with a future in our St. Louis office, 314-416-8117. Emmanuel Evangelical Lutheran Church of Terre Haute, Indiana is a congregation called, gathered, and strengthened by Christ's Word and Sacraments, confessional, evangelical, liturgical, serving our community and the students of Indiana State University and Rose Holman Institute of Technology, and reaching out to the nations as a congregation of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Find out more about Emmanuel at www.emmanuelevluth.org. Matt Harrison, Chris Rosebro, Aaron Wolf, Peter Bender, Todd Peppercorn, and Terry Mattingly will be speaking at the 2017 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference Friday, June 9th and Saturday, June 10th in Collinsville, Illinois, about 15 miles east of St. Louis. Registration is $120. For more information, visit issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference June 9th and 10th in Collinsville, Illinois. IssuesETC.org. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. You can teach lay people theology. You're listening to Issues Etc. 
Deaconesses are women trained to share the gospel of Jesus Christ through works of mercy, spiritual care, and teaching of the Christian faith. The word deaconess means servant. Find out more on how you can serve in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod through the vocation of deaconess at lcms.org slash deaconess. Working in faith, laboring in love, remaining steadfast in the hope of our Lord Jesus Christ. LCMS Deaconess Ministry, lcms.org slash deaconess. If you're like me, you remember when education was about the basic skills of reading, writing, and arithmetic and about reading great literature and history that gave our kids models of what it is to be a good person. Memoria Press's classical Christian curriculum is bringing this kind of education back. Get $5 off your next order by using the coupon code LPR. For more information, go to memoriapress.com. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back. I'm Todd Wilkin. This is Issues Etc. We're talking about God's Gift of Prayer as part of a series on Christian devotion with Pastor Brian Wolf Miller. You can meet and hear Brian speaking at the Winter Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference on November the 10th and the 11th in Houston, Texas. We're also going to be hosting our Summer Making the Case Conference June 9th and 10th here in Collinsville, Illinois. You'll find a list of conference speakers and how to register for either or both of those conferences at issuesetc.org or call 618-223-8385, 618-223-8385, the premier conference for Christian laity, the Issues Etc., Making the Case Conferences. Brian, some of these things that you talk about in terms of prayer, that's the basic stuff for the devotional life, don't at first strike people as prayers, like the invocation of the triune name. Yeah, we, um, it's, I, I, I roll around with the invocation sometimes too, because we just start every service and Luther teaches us, you know, when you wake up, this is kind of nice. We have it in the catechism. It says, when you wake up, make the sign of the cross. But Luther said in the German, uh, when you wake up, bless yourself with the sign of the cross and say, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And I kind of, I say, ah, it's not a sentence. What what do we mean in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit? What is it, what is it actually saying? Uh, and, and so it's, it's true. We're not say we don't say, Lord, bless us in your name or Lord, keep us in your name or Lord, mark us in your name or Lord, uh, grant me your spirit so that I remember that I'm baptized in your name, that you've adopted me as your own child, that that your name goes before me. We don't say, Lord, I call upon your name, and I know that all who call upon the name of the Lord are to be saved. Now, I, I imagine it probably has something to do with all of these things, but it's a little uh, indistinct. But these these parts of um, the the uh, that that um that are not directly directed to God, we when we recognize that we're speaking these things before God, I think we can rightly call them prayers. So we can say, well, we pray and confess together the Apostles' Creed. In other words, we're speaking these things before men confessing our faith, but we're also saying them before God so that we confess before God, uh, we confess God before men and rejoice that, like Jesus promised, he confesses us before the Father in heaven. Uh, and when we speak the Lord's name, we're saying that this day, this place, this person, this heart, uh, this is set apart as something holy because God's name is here. And and this is a, a, a kind of the bigger part of what it means to be a Christian and to be a, to be a saint, to be a holy one. 
It's God's word, remember, that makes something holy, a day holy, a person holy, an event holy, a work holy. If it's done according to God's name, in God's name, with God's name, it is a holy work, a holy day, and a holy person. So when we speak the Lord's name, we're laying claim to that holiness which he gives to us in the promise of the gospel, which we have by faith. And a reminder of our baptism. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's, it's one of the best parts of the baptism, aside from the baptism itself, is that uh, I now mark you on the forehead and upon your heart to mark you as one redeemed by Christ the crucified. So that when we make the sign of the cross and speak the Lord's name, we're remembering that we're the baptized. We be- we belong to Jesus. And and Luther reminds us that that the sign of the cross, which you know, it's kind of crazy that we the, the sign of the cross seems to us to be a Catholic thing, where which I don't, I'm still trying to figure out why. Because it's right there in the catechism. I mean, maybe it's because we don't, when we go through confirmation class, we don't actually study the morning and evening prayers. But it's right there. Luther says, make the sign of the cross. If there's anything that's Lutheran, it's the small catechism. And right there in the small catechism, he says, make the sign of the cross. And he reminds us in the large catechism that the sign of the cross and the name of God are our weapons to fight back the devil. So that we, um, so that the the Lord's word and the Lord's name is like a... Uh, well, he uses the the picture of a fumigation. Uh, you know, we used to have this in Texas, where uh, mom would she'd get those little canisters of bug killer, and she'd open them up, and we'd run out the house, and we'd go to the movie. You couldn't come back for four hours or whatever, and the fog would go through the house and kill all the bugs. Now, this is a that the fum, we'd fumigate the place. That's how that's how Luther describes uh, uh, the Lord's word. When we when we open the Lord's word, it's like opening a, a can of of insect repellent and it just and it drives the devil out of the place it's really quite wonderful also not generally thought of as a prayer but i remember the first time i encountered it as a prayer was i think it was in the seminary classroom the the students were asked to pray before this the the class started sometimes more pious professors would say who wants to or assign a prayer you know a student to pray at the beginning of of the class and the student just prayed the Apostles' Creed. You have that as part two. Why? Yeah, it's really nice. I mean, I have it as part two because because Luther has it as, as part two in the morning and evening prayer, and I think that Luther's Luther has this basic idea with the Catechism that these things that we learn are not just for learning. They're also for praying. So the Ten Commandments are not just for, for, med- for putting in our minds and meditating on. The Ten Commandments are for praying. And the creed is not just for confessing. The creed is for praying. And the Lord's Prayer, of course, is not just for our studying. It's that we pray that. And and how we confess the Apostles' Creed shapes the way that we pray. We, we had uh, this Sunday the, the text of blind Bartimaeus, who's there at the gates of Jericho, and, um, and, and he hears the crowd coming along, and he says, who, who's there? And they say, "Oh, it's, it's Jesus of, of Nazareth," and he starts and he starts to pray to Jesus, and he says, "Lord, have mercy." Now that's apparently the basic prayer of a beggar, but but Bartimaeus is doing something very different, because Bartimaeus knows that Jesus is the Son of David, that Jesus is the Messiah. He knows that Jesus is God, and so his faith that Jesus is God in the flesh shapes the way he prays. Give me my sight back. 
And this is true for us. How we confess God shapes the way that we pray. When we confess that God is the maker of heaven and earth, then that shapes the way we pray when we say, Lord, give us this day our daily bread, because he, we know that he causes the rain to fall on the righteous and unrighteous, that it's because of God's word that the grain comes up out of the ground. We know that the Lord uh, pr- provides uh, food for all of the animals, that he does everything. And so when we confess that God is the maker of heaven and earth, it informs our prayer, give us this day our daily bread. And even and even more, when we confess that Jesus is God and man, that he's born of the virgin, that he suffered under Pontius Pilate, that for us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven to redeem us, to die for us, to save and rescue us, that's going to shape our prayers. Lord Jesus, you're the Lord and Savior. Be my Lord and Savior. You're the one who shed your blood. Forgive me my sins. You're my brother. Comfort me and, and keep me in this trouble and this temptation so that our confession of Christ is going to immediately inform our prayers. And in this way, the confession of faith of the Apostles' Creed is itself a prayer. Uh, I believe that God is maker of heaven and earth, so, so, so protect and defend and keep me this day. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Save and rescue me. I believe that the Holy Spirit comes, so keep me in the church. Forgive my sins. Raise me on the last day. That these things are immediately uh, brought to the Lord as our prayers. Then there is the prayer we talked about before, which is the Lord's Prayer. You said something earlier, and I'd like you to explain it in a little more detail. And that is that all true Christian prayer really is, what did you say, it's rooted or comprehended in the Lord's Prayer, I would be. I think that to test it this way, it would be: Can you can you imagine a prayer, a Christian prayer, that is not already included in the seven petitions of the Lord's Prayer? And I don't. I don't think you can. In in those petitions that Jesus teaches us, the seven petitions of the Lord's Prayer, uh, everything that God desires to give to us is included. I mean, we could spend the rest of our lives talking and thinking about the Lord's Prayer and considering all the gifts that the Lord has given there. But it is absolutely comprehensive. So that when we don't know what to pray for, we realize that when we pray the Lord's Prayer, we're praying for everything. It's all included. Uh, from all the gifts of God to all the things that we need, they're there. There's a, there's a verse in the Psalms where the Lord says, Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. Well, with the Lord's Prayer, he's opening our mouths wide so that our words that we ask of the Lord comprehend every possible situation, from our own bodily troubles, uh, from, our, from our, de- our living and dying, give us this day our daily bread, to all of our spiritual afflictions, forgive us our trespasses, to all the things that have to do with our life as Christians, deliver us from evil, lead us not to temptation, to, to all of the things that have to do with the kingdom of God and his church on earth, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's, it's all comprehended beautifully, in those seven petitions, there, there's something about this. In the ancient church, they would um, they would classify the psalms according to their petition in the Lord's Prayer. So this this psalm is a fourth petition psalm, or this psalm is a first petition psalm, and that was a way, in fact, that they understood this that um, that the Psalter is nothing more than an expansion of a beautiful uh, uh, spiritual by the Spirit expansion of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. This really is, before we take a break, this really is, in fact, an insight that Luther has about about the Lord's Prayer, and it's, it's central, pivotal, kind of foundational place in all Christian prayer. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, uh, when Luther teaches prayer, he teaches the Lord's Prayer. I mean, that's what he 
he is using as his basis of instruction. And that's right. I mean, really, that that's an old tradition. The Lord's Prayer was always part of the, the catechism, the basic teaching of the Christian church. But then Luther comes along and he says, you know, before the Lord's Prayer is our words to God, the Lord's Prayer is God's word to us. And so we receive it first as instruction, and then it, and then it becomes petition. And the instruction is, from the Lord to us, the instruction is precisely what we need. In other words, when, when Jesus says, pray for these things, he's saying, these are the things that you need. And you might not even know that you need them. You might not have any sense that you need my name to be holy or my kingdom to come or my will to be done. But I'm telling you, in fact, you're in desperate need of these things. And oh, by the way, these things that you're in desperate need of, these are precisely the things that I want to give to you. It's absolutely wonderful. Pastor Brian Wolf Miller is our guest. We're beginning a series with him on Christian devotional life and talking about God's gift of prayer. There is, of course, when we come back from the break, Luther's morning and evening prayers, two parallel prayers that really bookend the day. We'll see what they contain with Pastor Brian Wolf Miller after this. This is a message for members of Thrivent Financial for Lutherans. Thrivent Financial has a charitable grant program called Thrivent Choice. Thrivent Choice allows you to designate charitable outreach funds to Lutheran Public Radio. For more information, look for the Thrivent logo under the Donate page of our website, issuesetc.org, or ask your Thrivent representative about Thrivent Choice. Help support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. with Thrivent Choice. At Concordia University, Irvine, you can pursue advanced theological study for academic, professional, or personal development. Concordia's Master of Arts in Theology program is grounded in the truth of Scripture and insights from the Lutheran Confessions. Courses are taught online and at intensive on-campus sessions in the summer. Apologetics, Christian education leadership, and Reformation studies are just a few of the emphases offered. For more information, visit cui.edu slash theology. More topics, more guests, more Jesus. You're listening to Issues Etc. Metro East Lutheran High School in Edwardsville, Illinois, engages young adults in a Christ-centered environment, delivering academic excellence and spiritual growth to develop Christian leaders for tomorrow. We provide a Christ-focused alternative to public high schools. Many of our students receive tuition assistance. To help us provide tuition assistance to more students, Go to melhs.org and click on the giving page or call me, Dr. J. Krause, Principal at 618-656-0043. Celebrate the 500th anniversary of the Reformation with the new Martin Luther plush figure. It features the 16th century reformer holding the Bible and Luther's morning and evening prayers. Go to reformationgear.com, use the coupon code ISSUESETC, and 20% of your purchase will help support the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. ReformationGear.com, the new Martin Luther plush figure, ReformationGear.com, and enter the coupon code ISSUESETC. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. Pastor Brian Wolf Miller is our guest. We're beginning a series with him on Christians and their devotional life, talking about God's gift of prayer. 
There are two prayers here that up to this point we've had kind of the prayers that are provided for us in Holy Scripture. We had the invocation, we have the summary of Scripture's confession of faith there in the Apostles' Creed, and then, of course, standing at the pinnacle here, the Lord's Prayer. But you also recommend Luther's morning and evening prayers that are kind of just bookends for the day. Why these and and not something else? Well, I want to take the small catechism as an evangelical order. So that so just like, you know, when someone would be enrolled and take the vows of being, joining the the Augustinian order or the Carthusian order, they they are in, entering into a pattern of daily life and prayer uh, that belongs to that particular order. And I think that Luther is intentionally crafting an evangelical order in the small catechism that should shape the the uh, our life. And I think there's a lot of wisdom here. So I think these two prayers that are taught to us to pray in the morning and at night um, are a reflection of that. And I think it's really, really quite wonderful. And I think these prayers actually come from the uh, from the monasteries. There's two. He has a morning prayer and an evening prayer. In some ways, they're mirror images of each other, which is really quite wonderful. They contain very similar things uh, almost all the way through. Uh, and they, again, are, are kind of um, expansive. And they set our life as a life of hearing the Lord's word and fighting against the devil, that we are in the Lord's hands, that our lives are in the Lord's hands, and that he is blessing us and keeping us. So, for example, the morning prayer, uh, uh, Luther teaches us to pray this, I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. So Luther looks back on the gift that the Lord has done by keeping us safe through the night. He looks forward to the gift of the new day in which we can serve God and serve our neighbor, that he could he would protect us in that day and protect all the desires, and that the holy angel, that's Jesus, would be with us so that the devil would not would not kill us and destroy us or lead us into despair and unbelief or other great shame and vice. It's really very simple, isn't it? It's very, it's very simple. And that's, I, th- I think maybe the, something to emphasize in this whole thing is we as, especially Christian fathers who are priests of God in our homes, but all Christian parents, uh, Christian children, all Christian people, uh, we, we, when we think about our devotional life, the devil wants to overwhelm us with the complexity of it, you know. Like we've got to have a, we we've got to have some sort of big uh, hoopla uh, every day, you know. Like we're putting on a circus or a carnival or something like this. But this is very very simple. Lord, I belong to you. Thank you for the gifts. Please give me more. Don't let the devil destroy me. Amen. And we get after it, you know. It's just really that simple. I wanted you to talk about an insight that you have about the the Christian home as a chapel. Yeah, that's an important, I don't know, I think if that idea can capture our imagination, if that idea can capture my imagination, uh, I think we're doing really well. Because, um, you know, it's it's a kind of a, a foundational idea of conservative politics, that every home is a castle. And that idea, that idea of the home being a castle really shapes the way that people think, uh, the way that they live, the way that they act in the home and out of the home. But if we could add to that, or in fact, even better it with the idea that every home is a chapel, then we realize that the home is the fundamental place that the Lord has established where we hear the Lord's word and believe it and where we live it out with one another. 
so that so that it's not simply at church that we hear the Lord's word. It's true that we go to church and hear the Lord's word. But we hear the Lord's word echoing through our days and in every place, especially our homes. This goes back to what um, the Lord instructed Moses in Deuteronomy. Speak of the Lord's word. When you, when you rise up, when you lie down, when you're going out, when you're coming in, that the Lord's word is always on our lips, that we've written it on our doorsteps, that our lives are marked with a hearing and believing of God's word. Uh, and this is what Luther's teaching us in the small catechism. It's what the scriptures are teaching us constantly. So with this just very simple place to begin here, are you saying, well, you start here, but then, it's, as you said, it has to get more complicated as time goes by? Or is this simply sufficient as a good, solid Christian devotional life, Brian? About a minute. Yeah, I think this is the place to start. Now, this devotional challenge book, what I've, what I've done is I've, I've got 15 weeks, and each week introduces a new challenge. So, so this is the basis upon which a devotional life is built. And depending on our circumstances, it'll be more complicated, it'll be less complicated, uh, there'll be more time, there'll be less time, there'll be more prayers or fewer prayers, but this is, this, uh, uh, Lord's name, creed, Lord's prayer, and morning or evening prayer, that becomes the, the, the foundation and the scaffolding upon which we build our devotional life. It's the basics of it, it's the bread and butter. And it's a strong scaffolding. It can expand or it can contract to contain as much as the Lord needs to give to us in our certain circumstance. But it's a great place where everyone can start. Somebody says, Brian, I, I go to church every Sunday. Why do I need this? Well, it's, I, I, you know, we, I guess we have a tendency to think, like, what's the minimum? I, this, this comes up, uh, especially like in evangelical conversations with baptism. Hey, I'm already saved. Why do I need to be baptized? Well, I... I'm not sure that's the right question. Jesus has gifts to give to us. His word, remember, it's not just reading God's word, it's delighting in the Lord's word. And that he has given us this great gift of prayer, that he has said, hey, call upon me, I'll hear you, I'll answer you, I'll deliver you. Uh, so, that, so that a life of hearing the Lord's word and delighting in the Lord's word and offering our prayers to the, to the Lord, it's not a matter of compulsion. The, the why do, do we do this? is because what Jesus has told us to pray, and then he's promised to answer our prayers. And he gives us gift upon gift, mercy upon mercy, kindness upon kindness, uh, especially as his word, which, which unfolds uh, to give us life. So this becomes our joy, uh, our pleasure, uh, our, our delight in the Lord and in his name. With about 30 seconds here, you've mentioned it a couple times, but just tell us about your new resource, the Devotional Challenge book. Yeah, I put this I put this thing together again for the confirmands. If you if people want it, they can download it for free. The website is wolfmuller.co slash devotional challenge book. You can buy the fancy one with the coil bound from Lulu uh, and and have it shipped to you, or just download it for free. And it has a challenge for each week, which I think we'll walk through, and then a, a daily challenge as well. So it walks you through these prayers, kind of holds your hands and is helping to craft an evangelical devotional life. And the hope is that by the end of 15 weeks, this has taken shape in our lives and is rooted in our own habits, hearing the Lord's Word and saying our prayers. You can find out more about the Devotional Challenge book under the Listen On Demand page at issuesetc.org. Pastor Brian Wolfmiller is pastor of Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado, co-host of a weekly radio talk show called Table Talk Radio, and author of the new resource, the Devotional Challenge book. Brian, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Wednesday on Issues Etc., we're going to talk with Dr. John Warwick Montgomery about religious persecution in China 
as its Christianity has grown in China, the persecution has grown more intense. We'll also talk about a scientific theory that religion was key to humans' social evolution. And we'll look forward to Sunday morning. That is the first Sunday in Lent with Dr. Carl Fikensher talking about the temptation of Jesus. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc. is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. Would you like to learn about the Reformation theology you hear on Issues Etc.? We'll send you a pamphlet of Luther's small catechism for free. It contains the biblical teachings on the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, Baptism, the Lord's Supper, and Confession and Absolution. Order your free copy of Luther's small catechism today. Just send your name and mailing address to talkback at issuesetc.org. Trinity Orchard Farm is settled between two rivers showing the way to the water of life. For worship that is reverent, relevant, and refreshing like pure water, or for excellent education in a unique setting, check out our church and school. We're just five miles north of Highway 370 on Highway 94 in St. Charles County. Visit us on the web at trinityorchardfarm.com. That's trinityorchardfarm.com. Our phone number is 636-250-3350.